It is a little later in the week for the podcast than usual, and that is because we had our Forecast 2021 conference this week. So we wanted to get a little bit of an update from how the conference went and a few takeaways from one of the panels with our Vice President of China Operations, Matt Margulies. So from the U.S. China Business Council in Washington, D.C., I'm Ian Hutchinson, and this is the China Business Minute. Matt Margulies is our Vice President for China Operations based in Beijing. Matt, so you had a panel at Forecast this year. Um, So I wanted to maybe get some of your insights from there. So could you sort of set the stage for how companies have been doing in China for the past few years against this kind of backdrop of bilateral tensions and against their local competition as well? Thanks, Ian. It's great to be back here. Uh, We had a good conversation at our forecast conference with members from a diverse group of industries, including life sciences and, and software services, to level set really for how companies are doing in China recently. Um, We also spoke about changing government stakeholder relationships and caught up on the local regulatory environment and tried to look at how those uh, how how that's changed uh, against the backdrop of kind of four years of U.S.-China tensions. Um, From my view, I think it's kind of interesting companies from industries as diverse as health and software still seem to report generally similar views of the environment here. And I'd, I'd raise four quick points. First would be that at a high level, most U.S. CBC members are doing quite well in the China market. Perhaps two exceptions to that would be travel and tourism companies and maybe traditional energy companies as well that are facing particular challenges globally, as I think we can all expect. Um, That success, though, doesn't mean that there aren't challenges here. Um, But second, most companies obviously had a challenging start to 2020 and were prepared for a real uphill battle through to today. But frankly, that doesn't appear to be the case so much for China operations of a plurality of USCBC members specifically. Um, That's especially so for those that are in um, the less politically sensitive industries. Um, But of course, the early parts of 2020 for a lot of USCBC members were rough, but most companies seem to have subsequently rebounded fairly well. Um, And one executive I spoke with said that Q4 of 2020 was actually the best quarter they had in China and globally in a number of years. Um, They attributed that to backfilling of inventory and depleted supply chains that uh, probably hadn't been replenished in a while from their customers, but they also contributed it to greater China customer exposure from this company than than their other foreign competitors have. So so China's economic recovery has really boosted their global recovery. Third point would be that um, the last few years of U.S.-China relations have definitely left an indelible imprint on the reputation and perceived reliability of American companies to Chinese customers and partners. But the impact of that perception change, I don't think has translated to major systemic disruptions yet to most customer relationships outside of some of the more obvious areas that I think we're all familiar with, like ICT and technology, really, which is at the heart of U.S.-China competition, right? And has has taken a hit after a lot of export control and entity listings. Um, those, Those concerns still remain front and center. Um, There are still challenges, but it means more hand-holding and care and kind of thoughtful explaining of U.S. policy to Chinese customers nowadays. And the fourth point I would note is, um, you know, one common piece of feedback I receive is that uh, against the backdrop of the bilateral tensions and their impact on the competitive environment, domestic Chinese competitors are not only becoming more technologically competitive and sophisticated as they grow, but their speed of, uh, let's say, innovation or or adaptation, their ability to adapt to customer needs very quickly uh, is unencumbered by bureaucracy and global reporting lines. And that is really what's shaping the competitive environment here for a lot of our member companies. And frankly, 
what I hear is that that speed of competition is something that's hard for um, company executives here in China to communicate or contextualize back to headquarters. Right. That's a good level set. Um, so how are relations with the Chinese government and companies and other stakeholders you know, changing amid these tensions right now? Um, during the height of the trade conflict, uh, it became fairly clear that it was significantly more difficult for USCBC member companies to engage with central government policymakers. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. It was connected to probably political headwinds in both countries. Um, but that has improved since the signing of the phase one deal. Um, at the working level, in a number of conversations I've had with companies, they do report actually fairly good ongoing access to policymakers, for example, within MOFCOM and NDRC, um, especially those that are focused on regulating the foreign investment environment, right, and less on kind of the technical regulation. But, um, for example, when working on foreign investment preference catalogs, a lot of our members have had good informal and also formal engagement with working level regulators to provide input that is really shaping how um, those catalogs are put together, which at the end of the day means the different incentives that you're able to obtain, whether that's um, VAT tax exemptions or uh, duty-free imports of certain equipment. Uh, other members do report also fairly good working relationships with technical regulators like PBOC and CSRC, for example, if you're in financial services. Uh, because those issues that, that those regulators work on tend to be fairly technical, they are separated from a lot of politics, um, and you do have genuine um, kind of regulatory expertise within those ministries. And so um, it's a bit easier to talk about how to properly regulate a sector as opposed to getting politics involved in the discussion. I can say USCBC as an organization, um, we're starting to observe some increased efforts from the Chinese government at the central level to send goodwill signals, I think, to try and build some mechanism or bilateral platform for this administration. Um, and that includes some outreach to the business community as well. Um, and then lastly, at the local government level, um, they have been and continue to be open to investment, even through the, quote unquote, in the trade war period, right? Companies generally are able to engage with governments at the local level. And it's fairly simple, right? If you were to look at this like the United States, it's like looking at mayors and governors back home. Most everyone is willing, is, is welcoming, excuse me, to investment and jobs in your city. And it's difficult to be too focused on, on the politics when you're overseeing the livelihoods of several million people. Uh, in your town. Yeah, that makes sense. So we've had the foreign investment law that was adopted last year around for a while, with equal treatment for domestic and foreign companies being the sort of target there. So as part of that, have you seen any changes in the regulatory environment for companies? Are things getting worse, getting better, staying the same? There are standard caveats when addressing this topic uh, that a lot of longstanding systemic challenges within China's regulatory system remain in place, post phase one, post President Trump, right? Um, the subsidies issues, data governance and privacy regulation, government procurement issues, that is the baseline we're working with. Um, there's a second layer of complexity on top of that with increased blurring of national security in the commercial environment. But if you take those two layers as your baseline, then I think challenges in the regulatory environment largely come down to local enforcement and local implementation of central policy. If we look at this based on regional differences within China, a lot of companies we speak with do point to diverging regulatory environments at the local level, frankly, um, with really positive reviews of regulators and governments in southern China, so the Greater Bay Area and Yangtze River Delta areas, with regulators having a real service mindset, right? How can I support your company? And then they juxtapose that mindset with local governments in 
northern, central, and western China. Um, and that, I think, can include Beijing as well, where city governments at times um, have more of a mindset of how can I regulate you, right? And China's GDP allocation, in fact, reflects this reality. It's much easier to do business um, in southern and coastal regions of China than in other parts, right? 70% of China's total GDP is produced from its southern provinces. Um, of the top 10 cities in China ranked by GDP, nine of them are in southern China, and the only one in the north is Beijing, right? So there's regional differences in policy, and, and that impacts how companies um, are operating. On central versus local policy implementation, um, especially in less sensitive industrial sectors, uh, multiple companies report that, uh, frankly, central government policy is often well-intended, but at times lacks precision or nuance, which leads to challenges for implementation locally. And this isn't discriminatory treatment necessarily for foreign companies, but more is a lack of sophistication or nuanced policy interpretation and requires a lot of resources and energy from companies to tackle these issues in each location uh, where challenges arise. The other component here is, um, yes, central government policy may be well-intended, but local governments at times tend to implement central government policy to a magnitude well beyond what is necessary. Um, someone I spoke with said that whatever a central government policy is will be implemented 10x by local authorities. And it's hard to say definitively why. Some attribute this to trying to impress superiors or um, others pointing to just a very low risk tolerance by some officials. Again, these are real impacts uh, and impediments to the commercial business environment, whatever the reason may be, but um, generally they are, I think, disconnected from the dynamics of U.S.-China tensions. And so those are some of the major topics we covered at the forecast conference um, this past week. Um, I think it was a really productive discussion, and uh, I think we all uh, came out a little smarter from it. Absolutely. It was an enjoyable two days. So I think folks definitely got some good insights out of it, as well as from this. So... All right. Thank you for the update, Matt. It's always good to hear from you. Great to talk to you, Ian. Again, Matt Margulies is our Vice President for China Operations. The China Business Minute is a production of the U.S. China Business Council, and you can always learn more about the work that we do on our website, uschina.org. If you like the show, please leave us a rating, leave us a review. It will help other people find it, or you can just send it directly to your colleagues. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week.